well. Have you ever received a promise that something was going to happen and you waited and you waited and it seemed like it was just never going to happen? I was trying to think about a time when I was young where I really wanted something to happen but just didn't believe that it would. And all I could think of was when I dutifully wrote out a Christmas or a birthday wish list and I gave it to my parents and then spent the next few months nagging and reminding them about it. (laughs) I remember every time we went to the shops, I would point out certain toys and ask mum for them because I guess I started to try and take things into my own hands and push the point. Or maybe I could even get the toy before Christmas and then I know what's happened because perhaps there was a part of me that really didn't fully believe it would come to be, which is ridiculous because my parents are great gift givers and we were always happy and overwhelmed. I know now though with my own kids that they too have had times where they've asked for something to happen and I've said yes, soon. And then perhaps the waiting was just too much to bear and they too would start to try and make things happen their own way, which generally ends in disaster. But the joy as a parent to fulfil a promise in the way we know is going to be the best for our kids, there's just nothing like it, right? We love to see the best for our kids and as their parents, hopefully, we know best and sometimes this means they have to wait until the right time for things to happen. Well, today, as you saw in the video, we're going to read a familiar story from Genesis that talks about a promise from God and the long, 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 long journey towards the fulfillment of that promise. So we're going to be reading from Genesis 18, and then we're going to be reading from Genesis 21, and we'll get through. So Genesis 18, the three visitors. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre, while he was sitting at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, If I have found favour in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree." Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go on your way now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered, do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three sayers of the finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the the calf that had been prepared, and set these things before him. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Where is your wife Sarah, they asked him. There, in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son." Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, yes, you did laugh. And then over to 
chapter 21, the birth of Isaac. Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age, at the very time God had promised him. Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah bore him. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children, yet I have borne him a son in his old age. <coughs> so, it's a hot and steamy day in Marmaray, a small site focused on one giant oak tree and not much else. I've seen a few of those towns in our travels, haven't we? <laughs> There's nothing here. But this giant oak tree offered shade and refuge from the blistering heat of the sun. And so this is where Abraham and Sarah had pitched their tent for we don't know how long. But as Abraham takes a moment in the afternoon to sit in the entrance of his tent, perhaps to catch some breeze, he spots three men who have also stopped in their travels to catch some shade under the big oak tree. Without a second thought, Abraham jumps up to greet the visitors without hesitation as his nature is hospitable and he knows that they might appreciate some refreshments. So it's important to note Abraham almost goes to the extreme to serve these guys. They're complete strangers, unexpected in the day, but here he is bowing down, offering his servant heart, planning the finest of bread and his best calf. He sets Sarah to work and they both as a team rally to serve these complete strangers that have crossed their path and maybe a couple of servants too. Of course, the three men accepted their generous hospitality and soon the meal was served and they sat and enjoyed it together. One of the men asked Abraham, where is your wife Sarah? Which possibly could have been the moment that Abraham might have twigged that these were no ordinary men. How did they know her name? But kudos to Abraham because he kept it cool and he casually answers, oh, she's over there in the tent. But then something crazy happens. That same man says, I will surely return to you about the next, this time next year and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now, I'll get to Sarah's response in a minute, but I first want to remind you that this is not the first time that such a promise has been spoken over Abraham. Because in Genesis 12, 2, God said to Abraham, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. Then in Genesis 15, 4, then the word of the Lord came to Abraham. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. And then once again in Genesis 17, 2 to 5, it says, Then I will make my covenant, co covenant <laughs> between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abraham fell face down and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. So this promise was not a new promise. Abraham had been hearing this narrative for a while now, directly from God. Perhaps this promise coming out of the mouth of this impromptu visitor gave him further reason to believe that these were no ordinary visitors. But furthermore, I wonder if Abraham was getting a little weary of hearing about it. But this one is even more specific again, and it brings Sarah's name into the mix. And of course, we know how Sarah feels about it by her reaction that we read in these verses. 
Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I'm worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? So once again, Sarah hears this promise that they've been hearing for years, and now even more specific, she hears that she will bear a child. Now Abraham was reaching 100 years old, and Sarah, 90. Who's 90? Is there someone who's 90 in the room today? Wilma, you're up. It could happen any day. <laughs> Are you ready? <laughs> I still remember when I had Brody. I was 30 years old when I had Brody, and multiple times I was told by my doctor and the nurses that I was an older mum, which, by the way, I thought was completely ridiculous, uh, <laughs> of course. But nonetheless, if 30 is considered a higher risk due to being older, then 90 must surely be out of the question, right? We hope so, but <laughs> if we put ourselves in Sarah's shoes for a moment, I think it would get a bit tiresome to hear this promise over and over again and know the earthly physical limitations of such a promise and possibly wishing that everyone would just stop talking about it. I imagine that it would be a touchy subject and a painful one for Sarah. She hadn't had any children and in her later years, the pain was turning to an automatic gut reaction to just simply laugh at the th very thought of being a mother now. Have you ever given up hope that something is ever going to happen for you? This is where Sarah is. In her old age, three strangers blurred out a promise about something that she had begun to let go of, even to the point of maybe wondering why God would dangle that carrot in front of her in the first place. And her involuntary response is an inward laugh, no doubt, with a complimentary eye roll thrown into the mix. <laughs> but then the story takes a twist. The man who shares the promise actually calls Sarah out. In fact, notice that the words say, the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Clearly, Abraham has already decided that he was in the presence of God, and Sarah was beginning to twig to this too. The Lord calls out Sarah's reaction and also repeats the promise again, along with a challenge, is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. Talk about busted, guilty as charged. She's been scolded, right? The Lord himself repeats a promise with more detail than ever before and her response is instantly brought to the table. Surely at this point, Sarah is taken aback, maybe even afraid, as she really starts to recognise the true identity of their visitors. In this moment, Sarah saw more clearly than ever that her heart was open to God and fully known by God too. She saw the truth that God can fully read her heart like one would read a book, and in the overwhelm of that vulnerable moment, her next reaction is just as fast and involuntary. What does she do? She lies. She says, no, I didn't laugh. Very quickly, she receives her response again, though, confirming, yes, you did laugh, which really does highlight that God knew that he needed to pull her up as he witnessed Sarah justifying or excusing her reaction, maybe even rationalising it. So strongly the words come back to her, you did laugh, sort of like saying, admit it, face it. And then the scripture leaves us there, which may allude to the fact that the conversation ended there too. 
How interesting that God was so quick to call out her response, but not in a way to shame Sarah, instead because she was losing her faith in his promise and God wanted to address her doubt before it became a problem. And then the subject is dropped immediately. God says, it's dealt with, let's move on. So as we read, at all. As we read on, we hit the resolve or the outcome of this story. In chapter 21 of Genesis, we read that God stays true to his long-standing promise and Sarah became pregnant and had a son named Isaac. Sarah gave birth to Isaac at the very time that God had promised. Afterwards, Sarah was in awe of God and shared with great joy that God had brought laughter to her life. So much so that the meaning of Isaac's name is actually laughter. We could definitely read this passage and read solely, uh, rest solely on the miracle of Sarah, a woman well past childbearing years, receiving the gift of mothering a child at the ripe old age of 90. That would definitely suffice as an example of how God can do absolutely anything. But I think the more important lesson from this beautiful story is that through this journey of Abraham, Sarah and baby Isaac, we learn that God is faithful to his promises. God gives us promises and he follows through. God had made multiple promises to Abraham and Sarah and I guess they had seen them partially fulfilled. They were in a new land. They had been blessed, uh, a blessing to other nations And they definitely believed God as they had enough proof to believe he was guiding them and was true to his word. But still there had been times of doubt, of course. There were definitely times where they felt the urge to take matters into their own hands. Almost as if they thought they could hurry along God's plan or even thinking it might be useful to help God in carrying out those promises. How wonderful. And you will note if you go back and read through the earlier stages of Abraham's journey that each time he decided to take things into his own hands, it kind of ended with disaster. And of course, Sarah had even come to the point after waiting a good 10 years where she removed herself from the role of childbearer and offered up Hagar as a substitute, I guess, to make sure that Abraham received his God-promised son. But in spite of their doubt, 25 years in the waiting since the first promise of a son, God was faithful. So much so that he kept reiterating his promise over that time. Even when their doubt took hold, he repeated the promise and in the interaction of Genesis 18, he communicates the specifics twice, that Sarah would be the one to bear the child. The other lesson learned by Abraham and Sarah in the promise and the fulfilment of the birth of Isaac is that God is powerful. There is nothing he cannot do. It's not just the timing of the promise, it's the type of promise he gives and fulfills. It's obvious that there was no human possibility for a 90-year-old woman to have a child, especially in those times without the medical advancements of today, the intensive care facilities and experts we have now for high-risk pregnancies. To conceive and to actually have a successful birth, no one would believe it to be possible. Sarah was considered barren and in those times no doubt was also considered less because of this lack of her life. In Hebrews and in Romans there are references back to the miracle of Isaac's birth and the Apostle Paul wrote that Abraham knew his body was as good as dead and that Sarah's womb was dead but because of God's all-powerful promise he declared it and a year later it came to be. 
But what else do we learn from this story of Abraham and Sarah's miracle baby? We learn that God is in no hurry to carry out his promises. That's probably the most painful part. God's timing is not our timing. No matter how impatient we are, no matter what we do to hurry along the process, God's promises will come to be in his time. God's promises are never too early and they're never too late, but at just the perfect time that God first promises. So our task when we hear of the promises of God and should we tune ourselves in enough to receive a promise from God is simple. We must simply trust in him to see it through. God will sort out the details, God will fulfill the promise and God will make his promises happen when God wants them to. So let's do a little bit of a recap. Number one, we position ourselves to hear from God. Abraham and Sarah didn't hesitate to offer their best hospitality to the strangers in Mamre. They had journeyed for a long time with God, been through many ups and downs, but through it all they had learned that what was best for them was to position themselves close to God and act out of that. This caused them to automatically offer themselves to others, even strangers, knowing that God would want them to have servant hearts for others. If they had not been obedient to God with servant hearts, they may not have had this encounter and may not have received this word from God about the ultimate promise for their lives. Two, God will give us promises. Once we are committed to living in close proximity to God, we know that we are more in tune with God's word and we start to understand more fully when God is speaking to us. The word of God can come in many forms. Some have spoken about receiving an audible voice, either in a dream or during a prayer. Other times a word can come through someone else who offers a word without truly knowing what it means, but it will mean something to you. Sometimes we have a gut feeling about something and it will be confirmed either through scripture or again an affirming word for another. The truth is God will give us promises for our lives and this then spurs us on to trust in the fulfillment of that promise. Number three, God fulfills his promises in his timing and in his power. If God gives us a promise, he will fulfill it. God's word is true. The, promise is, uh, the problem is, sorry, we can sometimes decide that we can hurry things along or take it into our own hands. We can be impatient, we can fall into doubt and that causes us to lose faith in God. But God's promises come in his timing. And no matter how wild that promise seems to our human minds, God is powerful and able to see it through. He wants the best for us. He takes great joy in fulfilling his promises to us. This is why he pulled Sarah up in her doubt. He didn't want her to lose hope in him, the one who was poised to fulfill the promise in the first place. God wants to fulfill his promises to us. And then number four, our faith looks beyond. When we have faith in God, we learn how to look beyond the contradiction of human limitation. We can look past all that and we can rest on the character of God who delivers the promises in the first place. Faith can only be possible when there is a promise of a father to rest upon. You can't have faith in nothing, right? But when God gives a word, it is the word of God, our creator. 
His word can be trusted despite our earthly situation, our feelings, our troubles and our doubt, because is anything too hard for the Lord? Faith turns us to lean on our own resources, which are never good enough, but upon the never-ending and fail-proof resources of God in response to his definitive promise that he gives, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible with God. This morning, as you listen to the song that's about to play, I encourage you to reflect on the promises that God has made to you. Maybe there were promises already fulfilled in your life, or maybe you're still living in the hope of a promise that God delivered to you long ago. Or maybe even you're sitting here wondering if you've ever received a promise from God before. The words of the song say, God of Abraham, you're the God of covenant and of faithful promises. Time and time again, you have proven you'll do just what you said. Though the storms may come and the winds may blow, I'll remain steadfast and let my heart learn when you speak a word, it will come to pass. Great is your faithfulness to me from the rising sun to the setting same. I will praise your name. When the seasons change, you remain the same. God, from age to age, though the earth may pass away, your word remains the same. Your history can prove there's nothing you can't do. You're faithful and true.